This is the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I am Indy Star Insider Joel A. Erickson. This is Nate Atkins. Uh, Nate, I'm going to start with what we just told our our uh, crack videographer, Clark. Uh, Clark, I uh, I don't I don't really want to spend any time with this team right now, which is bad because I have to spend 50 hours a week thinking about this team or 60 hours or whatever for, it is. For nine more games? Um, it's 10 more games, isn't it? There's 17 games in the season now. Three, three, and one. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's maybe nine more games for me. It's not a, it's not a, I don't know. It, the weird thing is, I think that people listening to this are going to be like, why? They've just made, they've just switched the quarterback. Uh, you can get excited about the new quarterback. I just, this isn't a fun team to spend time with right now. You know, I've been listening to a lot of, Rewatchables podcasts, I think, to just disassociate from the NFL for a little bit. But it's just they're they're always talking on there about like fun characters to spend time with or not fun characters to spend time with. This team is not a fun team to spend time with right now. It's there's a lot of unanswerable future questions that we can get to. Um, there's also just the element of like everything I thought about the Colts offensively this year has gone completely opposite. Um, like. It's just like makes you question your existence a little bit, um, and and they're, they're, it's just it's just not a fun team. We'll we'll get to the Ellinger stuff. Uh, we can we can get to the, all that, but like just from a standpoint of it, this is not a fun team to spend time with right now because uh, people are gonna push back on this and not like it, and because again, there's people who are very excited about Sam taking over as the starter. Sort of feels a little directionless right now. Oh with yeah, this team. no question. And look, I I don't want to you know rain on the parade of fans who are excited, and they, they are three three and one. And well, I, and again, I, again, if you if you want to be excited, I've been wrong about literally everything. Uh, yeah. with the offense this year, <laughs> Me so too. maybe you know the the Sam might be based on that. He's going to like be the best quarterback yeah. in the NFL. And I'll say, as somebody who grew up. With the Cleveland Browns, if they were ever three, three and one, no matter how bad their roster was, I would have been excited at that time because at least mathematically you're in it, and there is a chance that Sam Alger comes out and, and does something different. I mean, it's it's a low bar right now, so I get why fans get excited. It's been very hard for us though because it's just all so confusing. It's it, it changes every week as to what they're going to do next. Uh, you know, they they have a rotation at left tackle, they have a rotation at running back now. For all I know, they'll have a rotation at quarterback. There, there's really no way to get a read on what this team's doing or where they're going. And the reason it feels directionless is when we hear, you know, an owner this spring talk about, I want Matt Ryan here for three years. Maybe he can be here for four years. We hear, you know, Frank Reich say he's got accuracy that's insane and leadership that's the greatest I've ever seen. And that lasted seven games. And all of a sudden, now they're on to a guy who was on the roster Ursay before told that. The, Ursay told the NFL Network that he was the best leader they'd had since Peyton Manning last week. Last yeah. week. That was last week. Well, Frank Reich mm-hmm. said he's our quarterback, and 16 hours later he wasn't. So I, it gets confusing. I uh, think reading between the lines. Oh, I know. I, I'm not blaming there, Frank for that at all. I'm just saying this is where the franchise it, – it, let's be real. It's a dysfunctional franchise right now. That's, that's why it's not so fun to cover is that when I got here last year, you know, and they got here at midseason, they got on that run in the middle of the year, and, of course, it didn't work out in the end of the year, but it still felt like this was a pretty stable and, and well-oiled, you know, front top of the leadership team that just didn't have a quarterback at that moment and we're trying to find one and they get Matt Ryan I, 
this is the first time I've really had questions about, you know, do they, do they have a plan? Do they, do they think they have a plan or are they grasping at straws? So I, I think, so I was thinking about this again, you don't like spending time with this team, but it's, it's my, uh, it's, I have to, I have to spend 50 hours a week thinking about this team, 55, 60, whatever. Um, I'm starting to think that the part of the way that we got here, that the Colts got here, is because they haven't. I think we've been giving them more credit for their plans than than they deserve. And specifically, I just keep thinking about the 2020, the the off season after the 2020 year. Um, Philip Rivers leads them to the playoffs. Uh, they nearly beat the Bills. You feel like there's momentum. Frank Reich says literally the day after the season, I want Philip Rivers next year. Like if you're asking me right now, like, yes, I want him as my quarterback next year. That was originally the plan. At least my understanding of the plan was that it was supposed to be Philip Rivers for two years. And, uh, you know, then we talked to Ballard and he says, you know, I told Philip, we, we love what you've done. I, I want to make sure that you know that like I'm going to check into all options. Rivers retires. I, I don't know that I've ever gotten a smoking gun to say that that played a role in it in, in what Rivers decided to do. Um, but when Rivers retires, all of a sudden that plan that you had to find the, to, to use him as a bridge is out the window. And so then you trade a pick for Carson Wentz uh, rather than staying in the draft because, you, you know, you, you're, you feel like you can't get up to get one. Um, you they were in on Matthew Stafford, but not clearly not enough to be a strong players. Um, the Wentz thing ends. I, I, I'm not necessarily, I, you know, the Wentz thing ends and, and they immediately move on. Not, not saying that's the wrong decision, just saying like very quick. And then this, this one specifically from a, from a plan standpoint, I, I don't think, I don't want people to hear what I'm about to say and think, that I'm saying that Matt Ryan was playing well, that the offense has been good, like any of that stuff. None of that stuff is true. But what you said earlier, you know, we're acquiring him, we're giving him guaranteed money for three to four years. Or for, I mean for two years, sorry. Guaranteed money for two years. He's going to be the guy. He's our bridge to the next guy. That's what we're going to do. Uh, that's the whole offseason. Everyone said that the whole offseason, including the owner including Jim Mersey. He was the guy leading it. I mean, Peyton Manning, I keep coming back to this because it's just, I think it adds for me a level of weight and confusion to it because I think people have no problem criticizing Reich and Ballard right now, but like it's, it's more than that around the organization. And it's more than that oh, yeah. around expect around the expectations around the team. Peyton Manning said out loud, he thought Matt Ryan was the best thing for this team. He said it for, he said it to Jim Mersey. Obviously, Ursay cares a lot about uh, what Peyton Manning thinks. When this move happened nationally, the reaction was, oh, this is the best the Colts were going to do with what their situation was. That, that was almost, I mean, there, was, there were some people saying that maybe Ryan isn't going to be like a superstar, which I think was obvious. But they, it, was, it was universally like, a, this is the best of the bad options. And... Now, now that they've made the move away from it, the national reaction, which I think is getting lost a little bit in terms of the local reaction, the national reaction from just about everybody was what in the heck are the Colts doing? Um, like the, from the outside looking in, and not that those people are always right, not that national uh, 
pundits or whatever are always right. But I, I didn't see a single national person say, okay, this makes sense in the context of what they're doing. You know, Matt Ryan has had a lot of turnovers. He's been sacked a lot. But just from a plan standpoint, just from an organizational plan standpoint, it does feel like they're just kind of on tilt right now, just going with whatever feels most emotional rather than actually having a plan and sticking to it. Now, does that work? I'm going to let you talk for a second, but there's, there's, we're going to get to a couple of reasons that people are excited about it outside of the plan working, uh, outside of the original plan working. But, and maybe, maybe those people are right and they end up getting back in the right direction by tearing everything down. But just from a question of, do they know exactly where they're headed? Are they connected on it? It's just hard to see it when they're giving up on something that they touted so highly after just seven games. When they're 3-3-1, three, three, and one, they're still technically in the playoff race. I know it doesn't feel like that because they're not scoring points. They don't look good. But this is a staff that has a history of not looking good because of new quarterbacks and then kind of finding something. Now, with the offensive line, I don't know if that's possible this year. Yeah. But, like, there's there's a possibility that it's not – there's a possibility that it could have gotten better based on history and the, just cut the cord. Like, to just cut the cord on that plan that you had all offseason, it just feels disjointed from an organizational planning standpoint. Not not from a Ryan is actually playing better than, he, than it seemed or anything like that. Just from an organizational planning standpoint, it doesn't feel like there's a strong direction. Yeah, we definitely overrated. I definitely overrated their plans, gave them too much credit for their plans, Accepted the fact that they lost Andrew Luck in the worst of circumstances, and it's been hard. And you know, and and we wanted to see a plan, and I thought we saw one. We're not the only ones that did that, though. I mean, you you wrote this story, but Peyton Manning talked to Matt Ryan about how this is a good place to go for quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan sat on a Zoom call and and listened to them sell their offensive line and their run game. And you know, and his wife, what I'll always think about is Matt Ryan's wife helped talk him into doing this because she said, you need to look at what other quarterbacks are doing. You need to look at Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning who left, found new destinations. Those teams went all in with their quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan came here expecting that that would happen, and it never happened because you know how many other veterans they added to the roster on the offense outside of Matt Ryan? Zero. Zero. Not a single one. Right. Not a left tackle. Not a right guard. Not a tight end. Not a, not a veteran receiver, nothing. And look, they had a, a backup in Nick Foles that they haven't used, and I guess now he's a third-string quarterback who has also sold a bill. Well, actually, goods. technically, he's the second-string quarterback now. I, Matt Ryan has a shoulder separation, but, right. but more importantly than the shoulder separation, it's very hard to see what, like, from his perspective, other than just a sense of, duty as a football player why he'd feel comfortable getting back no in doubt. this lineup at some point because no they, they they promise again regardless of the way you think he's regardless of how bad, badly he's played how much he's turned it over they told him something was going to happen and then pulled the rug out from under him under after seven games that's that's there's just no other way to look at yeah. it than that now frank Wright came out and admitted that we didn't hold up our end of the bargain when we said we'd have a run game and pass protection 
And rather than go and fix those things, they bench the guy who's taken the beating for it. And look, Matt Ryan's not played well. I'm not here to say that he has. But he's not give, been given a chance at age 37 to do anything but play poorly. And they talked him into coming here. And his Falcons team right now has a better offensive line and has a better run game. Yeah, and if he had stayed there, play. he would have a chance at a division title in a pretty weak division over there that both divisions the falcons and colts are weak but one of those teams has a chance and it's not the colts and that is such an indictment and that leads me to my prop which i'm surprised you didn't ask for i told you this podcast is on tilt we're we're, we're a little bit off oh no (laughs) this is this is my guy this week um for a couple reasons it's halloween and i love halloween and the irony of it is that we were (laughs) talking Last podcast we did was 50 minutes in a car driving back from that disarray in Tennessee. And after we finished talking about that, we turned the mics off. We started talking about Halloween, and we had a disagreement because, um, well, a difference in preference. You, you said you weren't a huge fan of Halloween growing up. I absolutely love Halloween. I've always loved uh, trick-or-treating and candy. It was a big thing in our community. I love Halloween movies. I love everything about it. I'm reading uh, It by Stephen King right now going to go through the movie circle uh the big thing to me is you said you don't like feeling scared and no, i don't like being scared i understand that why, why would i spend money to be scared um uh, well fans do it with the colts every week uh, oh. my <laughs> my thing about about halloween movies is that was a good setup I'm, I'm taking credit for that assist <laughs> that was a tyrese halliburton level assist that was i i like that i like that i, I just slammed it down like victor yeah. victor yeah. wimbignana uh Anyway, like the what I, what I like about scary movies though is that they're it's an experience and they're not real. And you remember and you watch them and you realize, you know, as scared as I get and as terrified and as much as my uh, hairs on my arms stand up and I may get nightmares this night, I'll wake up the next day and realize, oh, that wasn't actually real. Well, right now, Matt Ryan, how is, bad is your sleep that you're okay with nightmares? <laughs> have you seen how much coffee I go through? <laughs> Whatever gets me asleep is okay. But I like waking up knowing it wasn't real. Right now, Matt Ryan is waking up, and it's real. This nightmare is real. This is what Matt Ryan is, because this is what playing quarterback for the Colts is, is you become a skull. You become a skeleton of what you ever were. And this I thought is, I was on tilt. Nate went further. This is where I'm at with this franchise, though, is that like <laughs> they've gone from when I was growing up, I told you, like, I, I, I followed the Browns where they had three quarterbacks a year, could never find one. They're the ultimate image of what not to be a quarterback. And the Colts were the, the model of what to be. They had Peyton Manning forever. And then when, they, when he started to get old and had, you know, had some injury issues, they flipped to Andrew Locke. And, you know, and then for a while here, I've been giving them credit for the fact, or, or maybe leniency for the fact that the Andrew Locke retirement was so shocking and so poorly timed. There's no real precedent for it. And they've tried to do their best year to year. And this year, this was the year I thought they had a better plan. And as it turns out, they had an absolutely awful plan. That's just what it is at this point. When you go back and you think about every other quarterback that has gone to a new team with Matt Ryan's type of resume as a four-time Pro Bowler and an MVP and a guy who's been in a Super Bowl and a guy they had to convince to do this that we're the destination has gone out and got him stuff. Including in 2020, this one. Including this yeah. franchise, yeah, they used to. They do got it more. they got Philip Rivers. They got Philip Rivers here, and I mean, he wasn't like prime era Philip Rivers, but he people said he was washed, and he was pretty good that year. He was pretty good that year, and he had a pretty good, pretty solid team around him. He at least had a good offensive line. Um, and again, that's one too. I give him 
some leniency for Anthony Costanza retiring. It's hard to replace a left tackle. Their attempts have just not been good enough. In fact, it's hard to say that their attempts have been bad. They, they haven't even been attempts. They didn't go sign a left tackle this offseason. They didn't sign a right guard. It would be different if they made attempts to go all in with Matt Ryan and they just weren't working. Or if they did that and Matt Ryan, we learned, was just, you know, he just never had it at all. And maybe the evaluation was the problem. The problem is they never really tried. They really never really tried. And whether that's, you know, whether that's an ownership thing of not wanting to spend, whether that's that's Chris Ballard just not liking free agency, which we've seen, whether that was collectively them overrating everybody from Matt Pryor to, to Danny Pincher to uh, the tight ends they had to everything else. Either way, it has not been the model that any any other franchise has tried when they've convinced a quarterback of Matt Ryan's resume to come here. And what they've done is they've created what is now becoming a graveyard of quarterbacks. And I remember thinking, if this is the end for Matt Ryan, I agree with you. I don't see how he comes back given um, the expectations and the, and the emotions involved here. I'll always remember him sitting there in Tennessee in the locker room after the game, one of the last players out after treatment, peeling a jersey off a shoulder that is red like Christmas with turf burn and his shoulder separated. And that's after 10 more quarterback hits and three more sacks, which now lead the league. This is what they set this guy up for. And he played poorly at times, no question. He could have played better, but... His, his agreement was never to come here and get beaten and battered and not have tight ends to throw to and have a team that just would bench him after seven games and acknowledge that, well, we didn't give our end of the bargain, so I guess we'll play a six-round pick. They failed Matt Ryan, and this is what they're left with. This is the image of their franchise. My mascot's going to be a little bit more of an interlude than um, on point, and it lost its head. But I just miss Rigoberto Sanchez so much. So I brought a witch. <laughs> We're going to have to turn her off because she just keeps talking. She's like from uh, when when the baby was born, my in-laws took the kids. To, they like to take the kids to Dollar Tree and just let them get whatever they want. And this witch was one of them. But I, I just – I miss Rigoberto being a witch. And I think most Colts I like fans – I think most talk. Colts I think most Colts fans do too after after Matt Hawk's performance. But there, there was other stuff before Tennessee where um, I think probably the last three or four weeks uh, – there's been at least one punt where I've either either you have said not a witch, or I've said not a witch. Now the witch thing is mine. That is yours. I, I borrow your lines. Yeah, sometimes. the witch the witch thing is mine. But like, uh, you know, there's just like when he gets it inside the tw- when Hawks gotten it inside the twenty, it's been like the fifteen. You know, it hasn't been. I I just I started calling Rigoberto a witch because he would punt it inside the five and it would land on the three and just stay there it was just remarkable like the the control he could put on the football uh and how important that was for field position and everything and and just uh if first i don't think most i think a lot but you know the the, the punt, punt a punt is usually a pee break i think for most most fans it's a pee break it's a nacho break it's a go get something break but for those of us who sit there and watch everything like i really developed an appreciation for Rigoberto and I just miss him I miss the witch he's missing his hat which or she's missing her hat which is regrettable but yeah, what happened to the hat I I don't know I don't know mornings have been a little rough with the baby and uh I when I grabbed her before on, on the way in she had her hat and I don't know where it is and now my kids are gonna be mad at me so um but but she still makes noise I have to turn her off otherwise she's gonna do that through the entire podcast she'll just keep doing it 
I like that. It's it's a little reminder though. It's like like I'm still here. I'm still I, I'm still a witch. It's like Rigoberto Sanchez. We never I just see anymore, him. but he is still on the team, and he's still a guy that they would love to get back. And because this is the thing is, the punter matters a lot on this team when when you're dead last in offense. Um, and now they don't. You know, Frank Reich's gone from the most aggressive coach in the NFL and going for it to maybe middle of the road, maybe even less aggressive than the average coach these days because he doesn't believe in this offense, and how, how can he? So what that means is you rely on the punter more. They don't have the punter to pin them deep. If they had a punter to pin them deep, maybe their defense would have a better chance to be the unit that scores if a team's starting from a three rather than the 23. But this is the cumulative effect of everything that's going on. That's one where, like, that was an unfortunate injury. Like, they had a great punter, and he got hurt, and it was late, and it was training camp. That one I can give them a pass on. The that, kicker and everything else that they've done, uh, there were issues they could see coming. That one, the move, I think, maybe that solidifies it. I don't know if you could have pulled it off because of when they when it happened. You know, they had to get a punter for the last preseason game, so they signed Hawk. Um, but shortly after that, when cuts happened, Sam Martin was available from Denver. Yep. Uh, who's got a much better track record. And very – by the way, I covered him in Detroit. Very good at pinning it in the And they had, they had no – there's no reason to be loyal to Matt Hawk. If if you wanna if you wanna pick a nit, I guess, on um what they did at Punter, they could have just cut Matt Hawk Matt Hawk right away and put him back on the market and gone hard after Sam Martin. Now Sam Martin went to Buffalo. Don't know if he'd win that race. Um Well he'd he'd get to punt a lot more here. Um yeah, I don't think punters care about that. <laughs> I think Sam cares I think, about that. I think punters like to. I think punters like to win. That's um, right. And uh, so I don't. I don't know. He might have. He might have ended up in Buffalo anyway. But if if you wanted to pick a nit, that'd be one. I I think since we're talking about the punter, it's probably a good time to transition a little bit. Uh, and and sort of look at the acknowledge the acknowledge the the possible benefits of of the move they just made. I, I'm going to start with the the most. The one I think I see the most, um, well, I shouldn't say this. The one I see the most is, you know, from people who are really excited about Sam Ellinger, and I, I get it. He's I get I get it, especially from a personality standpoint. There's there's nothing to not like about oh, him. Yeah. Great dude. I, I was I I was one of the people who talked to him about his brother's death last year. I it'd be hard to be more impressed by somebody. Um, in terms of the resilience and mentality and all that stuff that I totally get all that. Um, the, so I understand that. I, I think the other thing that I see from a lot of people is they're happy because they're, they're abandoning the organizational plan of trying to get a bridge and just sort of embracing that we're just going to go young until it works. Um, and there is, there is some, well, th- th- there's merit to that. I mean, there's merit to the idea that, the only way they're ever getting out of this is by finding the next quarterback. Well, um, they they certainly aren't going to get another quarterback to want to take a trade here or even right. sign here. So right. I, I don't uh, think they have a choice. No, but yes, that's the one move that they, they've never tried is the draft and develop yeah. quarterback. And I understand that because, you know, I, I've said on this podcast over and over again that, you know, ultimately you do whatever you have to do to get the guy. And, and I understand that you could say that this is – a way to do that um i think as much as people love it right now and as much as that could maybe work in the future i mean it could just as easily not work um for a while 
uh, at some point it'll turn around. I kept getting questions about will I kept getting questions, and I did ask Joel on Sunday about will the Colts ever be good again, or will they ever beat Tennessee again? And I mean, yeah, eventually. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I I'm hoping to not like be gone in the next like five years so <laughs> i don't want to look like this here soon <laughs> eventually it'll get like you know eventually it's going to turn around but uh um i understand the whole idea of i i think the harder part in in the moment is that there's this is a roster that believed in itself um believed in the guys that they added a lot of guys who probably want to be playing in contention and so I think for them specifically, this is like the idea of just like the, the, well, it's just the tanking. It's essentially what it is. It's the, it's the let's, let's tank and, and just see what we have and, and go for the young guy. And I don't think that's players, why they're making that. Moves. Players don't like tanking. And I don't, know? I don't think they think they're tanking. I think, I, I think they, the feeling I get is they really think that Sam could be the spark. That's, Again, this is not this is not a coaching only decision. This this is very collective, and I just want to <laughs> lay out the. I don't think it's a coaching majority decision, but that's right. just me. Well, I'll just lay out the timeline for you. We talked to Frank Reich after the game in Tennessee, uh, where Matt Ryan had a bad game, but he's coming off two game winning drives a week the previous two weeks, and he said Matt Ryan is our quarterback. He also said we're three three and one, have a lot of football left to play, and my job as the head coach is to have perspective and not react <laughs> gets home that night meets with Jim Irsay who hates hates losing to the Titans and the next day they come out and they say not only is Sam Ellinger starting in place of an injured Matt Ryan but he's the quarterback the rest of the year and that just doesn't square it just it doesn't it doesn't come off as I don't believe that Frank Reich looked at the tape of one game after he told us how unflappable and what a great leader Matt Ryan is for if you four, watch the fourth quarter over and over again maybe like if he just watched it on repeat <laughs> true Every time, every time I find out something more about that play, when I when I saw it on film again, uh, it was very clearly one on one with Alec Pierce to the outside running a go, and like the the week before that, that had been an answer to blitz pressure. It's just throw it up to Pierce in one on one, and it, it was like there was no there wasn't even a safety who could have gotten into it. So instead of throwing the short route, you could have just thrown a jump ball to Alec Pierce. Oh, it's true. It's. It <laughs> It made it worse. It I, I didn't see that initially. Wrong with I didn't see that initially play. because I was after the game. Um, the focus was on did Paris Campbell do the right thing, which he did, and so then he you find opened out, up Alec Pierce, and to so be wide you open. find that you find that out, and you're like, okay, so that puts it that makes it worse than I thought it was initially. It wasn't really a, like, and then you see Pierce being in one on one with no safety over the top, and. That, that 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 play just I mean it's the play that essentially probably ended Matt Ryan's time as quarterback here and I can if you watch that if you just sat there and watched that play for like an hour I think you could talk yourself into anything true what I will say though is now that they have a quarterback who's never played in a game if he gets a play call that late because you're busy arguing a call that also is probably not a good idea so I hope that Frank looked at that and also you know had some self scouting too, but the play I go back to tying it back to Sam's actually. Well, I mean, play. I think I think him admitting it in the post game press conference yeah. means he doesn't like think it was a good idea. Yeah, I'm just. Let's, I'm, I'm just, not gonna. I mean, I know it's fun to bury everyone. No, like, I'm not trying to not, bury that's Frank. Not, that's not really his personality. I'm just. I no. Frank did did own that. They both owned that. Matt ran and and Frank owned it. And all I'm saying though is that like. <laughs> 
this is a tough situation for Sam to step into. But the reason he's stepping in, I think, is actually goes back to the play right before that pick six, which we were all focused on the fact that the refs missed one of the most egregious face masks that you could miss, where Naheem Hines' head goes one way and his body goes another. And what I think we lost in that, or I lost in that, was the fact that that was Jeffrey Simmons hitting Naheem Hines three yards in the backfield, which is what this offense is. And listening to Frank Reich and, and Marcus Brady talk about this move and what they're trying to build with Sam Ellinger, the only thing I think that that they go back to of why they need a different quarterback is mobility. Is Sam Ellinger has more of a chance to run away from guys like Jeffrey Simmons who are in the backfield because the identity of this offense is defensive linemen in the backfield. And Matt Ryan can't play through it. This is the one thing he was supposed to have when he was here. It does not have interior uh, pocket presence. We talked about in the last podcast. I just kept feeling like if he's going to be asked to stand still or even step back and throw, he'll never be able to throw down the field because he's 37 and his arm's not there. And he just wasn't taking those shots. And Marcus Brady said we had deep shots dialed up. We didn't take them. I think Sam's all about. They're the, they're, if you go look at, I've mentioned Kenan a couple of times in this pod, but he had a nice thread on Twitter where he went through the film and just kind of looked for that. And you can you can see where there, there was stuff down the field. You yeah. can see it. Yeah, and so they some of them. Some of them. This is just a quick aside. This is something that I talked about earlier in the year, and just want to get back to again. Some of the ones that I watched, I felt like, got back to what I said earlier in the year about, like the difference between Rivers and Ryan. The anticipation level, I didn't think was there. Where like, Rivers knew his limitations. And so he would throw the ball very early, like almost you would think it would be too early because he knew where everybody was going to be. And sometimes I felt like Ryan is waiting to see for sure that it's going to be okay. I just like a ticks, like just a little bit longer, like not like a lot, but like a little bit longer. And when the line is this bad, I think it matters a ton. Oh, yeah. um, you know, whereas like with Rivers, sometimes he would throw the ball long before the guy was in his break was out of his break just knowing that what what it was going to happen and um i think that that's maybe uh, one of the weaknesses with ryan that i wasn't anticipating not not having watched him on a you know game by game play by play basis in atlanta the way that you know you watch somebody that you cover and and watch all the time yeah yeah and so sam i think he's here to run away from all this pressure and to you know, create a little bit with his legs, both him running on third downs. I think there's some things they can try with him in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor. Um, pretty much, you know, when you run the option and you have a quarterback or option type looks, read option, whatnot, and you have a quarterback who is actually a threat to keep the ball, he serves as an extra blocker. It can freeze the defensive end. Right now they need as many extra blocks as they can possibly find uh, in the run game. But also what I think it's going to do is it's going to – they're, they're going to have Sam live – scrambling either either bootlegs or nakeds or just scrambling around the sidelines where he uh, he steps up and he's throwing on the move a lot of stuff you watch with Carson Wentz and that that will kind of elevate his arm strength to a level where at least you can throw it up and do a jump ball and they have receivers who believe that was what I wrote after the game believe that they can win jump balls where 50-50 for most guys is 65-35 for them that's Michael Pittman Jr. and that's Alec Pierce and then they have, you know, Paris Campbell's got some speed to, to potentially get open late. They can never get to those plays with Matt Ryan because they can't, they don't have a pocket. He, he doesn't have the arm strength to win 
if they don't have a pocket. I didn't think he ever looked great on the move throwing it this year. And that too. Um, but I want—I mean, just to back back up with one of the other things with with Ellinger is it, it gives the coaching staff some options to take the teeth out of pass rush that they haven't had. Um, you know, we we used to talk about this all the time with the Colts defense that teams would always run bootlegs, um, moving pockets, a bunch of stuff against them to kind of take the teeth out of the pass rush. They haven't really had that option. I mean, I, they tried it a little bit. There were some moving pockets earlier in the season. Ryan, I didn't think was very good at it. Um, I didn't think he could throw on the move very well, especially, I mean, obviously with a great two shoulder separation. Whenever that happened in the game, I think that maybe plays a role in him not taking some of the deep shots later because I don't I don't know if he think, thought he could throw it. Um, but uh, you could, there's, there's more schematic stuff you can do to help the offensive line. Like, I don't, I don't think that it's excuses or changes the way it looked before because the whole point of the offensive line was that they, you should be able to rely on them to protect. Um, but now that they know they don't have an offensive line that can protect, Ellinger's mobility allows them to, to employ some of that stuff that they haven't used before. That's what I think it all is. And, and kind of one last point since you, you know, brought up Rivers compared him to Matt Ryan is one game I think about, Rivers had a great – a really good year for what they expected him for. That was actually probably the that's the quarterback that's worked out the best here since they've been searching. Is that there were, they did have a game though where they played the Browns without Anthony Costanzo and Rivers was a dead duck. I mean that that was one of the worst games I've seen of a quarterback. And I only bring that up in Rivers had a really good year. Is that that's that's the environment they put old quarterbacks in if they don't have blocking. Is that you don't have extra tools and teams just just tee off on you. And Sam Ellinger is some some chance to get away from that my where we've always pumped the brakes with sam with preseason and he look he had a really nice preseason was that almost everything that he's he had produced in the in the preseason was out of structure and this is an offense that was supposed to be about structure there is no structure anymore so they need a quarterback who can win out of structure because they don't have one they can't build one it was supposed to be about the offensive line they they don't feel like they have it that that to me is the biggest admission that's come out this week is They've had four combinations on the offensive line in seven games. The guys are healthy. They're moving them around. They're like, they've tried all these things. They they can't play with the statue quarterback unless he were to have just an unbelievable arm from the pocket. There's very few of those guys. They obviously you can't go out and get one. So instead, they're going to get a guy who's more athletic and they hope can run away, run away from some sacks, run away from some fumbles, and at least throw on the move to give your receivers a chance. And I think the receivers are going to have to be the superstars. They're going to have to try and get, you know, two maybe two jump ball type plays a game that either set up any you know a Jonathan Taylor touchdown run or a field goal. They're going to try and win low scoring and hope they don't turn it over. This is just. I don't want to, you know, I know people are excited for Sam Ellinger, and who knows, maybe he comes out and he, he just looks incredible. He's been working at his arm. Um, he's just early in that process. But I think the realistic expectation is that he's going to be much more stylistically like like a Mitchell Trubisky who is all kind of get away from pressure, survive, create with your legs, and hope you have a couple of plays that work. And right now if they have a couple of plays that work and they don't turn it over, that is progress. I, uh, I think that. I've been trying to stay away from a prediction on Ellinger for two reasons. Number one, nothing I've said about the offense has been right all season. Um, just hasn't worked. Uh, I'll take a very tiny bit of credit for liking Alec Pierce, just like a tiny bit. That's the only thing I can give myself credit for. Um, everything else in terms of like what I thought they were going to be, I, I didn't see Nelson and Kelly and Smith regression happening this much. 
I didn't see the offensive line being this bad. Didn't like I just I I kind of feel like the way like I look at it is probably like the way the Colts must be thinking inside their own facility. Like we thought all of this stuff would be there and it's not. Um, but so so on the one hand, like that's that's one thing with with Sam. I think the other thing is we don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference a Ted Lasso episode here. Uh, so if you watch Ted Lasso, remember this. Like just like there's a part part where Roy Kent is about to go rejoin AFC Richmond as the coach, but he's he's on Sky Sports and he's asked to give analysis on what a 17 year old player is gonna do, and he says we don't know. We just we don't know. We've never seen him play. We don't have any idea what Sam Elling what, what he's gonna be. There's there's no way to know. I mean like we've seen him in the preseason. I think. Most people who've watched the NFL for a long time have seen lots of good preseason quarterbacks not turn out, have seen lots of young, promising quarterbacks not turn out. But that also isn't a reason necessarily that Sam Ellinger won't turn out. It's it's just not. I mean, we don't know. And I know that's not sexy. It's not the prediction like we're, we're sort of supposed to do. I just don't know. It's a complete unknown. You know, whatever I think might happen kind of is worthless <laughs> because we're, we're going to find out like with Matt Ryan, we had 14 years of knowing and, and the last four years of going, if you know, if he doesn't have protection protection, it might look bad. And if he doesn't have any protection, it might look like this. We don't have anything with Sam. We just don't, we have no idea or I don't have any idea. And I guess maybe that's, that's the most interesting part is that there might be some new stuff to, to, analyze and look at and and all that is there might be something you're not expecting but in terms of how he's going to play and it's it's hard because we're supposed to talk about this and have predictions and stuff like that other than the mobility other than the skill set i just don't know i've he's taken 18 snaps in the nfl all of them are in mop-up duty he's never thrown a pass i just don't know and the colts don't know either that's the reality. They do see him in practice every day, but he's been running the scout team for most of the season. Uh, they don't know, and that's it, yeah. There's there's both ends of that. It could it could work. It could not work. I mean, this is the thing: is they're just they, they're out of answers, so they're willing to try something. I will to give Sam some credit is that with the preseason, you know, I yeah, I was I never will will go overboard and say you know some big preseason means something huge, but I always go back to a quote that. Brian Billick once said where he said in the preseason when there's no schemes and it's not the starters, you can't necessarily tell who's who can play, but you can tell who can't play. And Sam was never overwhelmed this preseason. And I think I wasn't here, but it sounded like he looked a little more overwhelmed his first year when he was a rookie, uh, when he had just gotten here. This year he didn't – he looked very stable, obviously. He completed I, – I would say the biggest thing with him this year that felt different to me was – I felt like he's his work with Tom House has paid off. Uh, he said he's in the early stages of a two-year process of rebuilding his throwing motion. I felt like his arm was stronger and more capable this year. I felt like some of his picks, um, some of the interceptions he threw in the 2021 preseason uh, were related to arm strength. Yeah, and, and so – Look, the arm strength, it's its an evolving thing. I mean, like you said, he's early in that process. That was the knock on him coming out of the draft is he didn't have a lot of arm strength. It's clearly better than it was. Um, we'll see how much better than it was. We'll also see 
You know, that's why I said it's it's intriguing his skill set where he can throw on the move. Sometimes that adds something. And, like, it's the opposite of Matt Ryan. I, I wrote this week he's the inverse of Matt Ryan where Matt Ryan can't add anything more to his throws if there's not a pocket. If he's standing still or especially if he's throwing back, it's only going to be worse than it would be. Like, the best version he can get is to step up in the pocket and fire those throws, and there's still a limitation to that. Um, Sam Alger probably does have a, some limitation to his arm, but he has the ability to run and throw on the move in it. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued to look at it, and I will say that like um, this hasn't been a fun team to cover to this point. I am interested to see how this looks, though. It will be really different than what it's been. That It may still be bad. It could be pretty good I don't know it, but it will be different they're not going to run the Matt Ryan style of offense that same way and it they're going to have to try and evolve it week to week and I'm just I'm curious to see how they do that you know this is what's hard you middle of a season it's not like they're going to just go draw up a whole new playbook that's built for Sam Ellinger and teach it like what Marcus Brady said is that at the wide receiver level um, tight end level it's it's going to be a lot of the same stuff is it's more about what can they do to get Sam comfortable but a lot of that's going to be where the quarterback is on a given play is going to change a ton. And I'm I'm just curious to see what that looks like because I've always been in favor of mobile quarterbacks. It's a big, you know, it's it's where the league's kind of moved. If you don't, if is you. Is anybody not at this point? Is anybody like, you know what I really want? If I could have my ideal, I would really like to have like Dan Marino style mobility. I hope not. I hope not. But I will say I don't that. Think any, I don't think anyone's like, like, if there's anybody out there, please like let me know. I I, I just think I I, I think say, we're I think we're seeing an interesting shift though because two years ago a quarterback won the Super Bowl who's in his 40s and very much is your standard old school drop back throw from the pocket quarterback. This year those guys are not working and it just it's 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 showing there's something the league the offense is down all across the league. There's something going on that's that's making it harder. My one of my theories is that it's just Vic Fangio's whole approach yeah, of the defensive shell. Yeah, two high safeties and make teams drive and take away the explosives has done that, but I think that also has has brought out guys who have lessened toolboxes, which is if you don't have mobility in your toolbox, you're you're just more predictable. They know where their quarterback's going to be standing on a given play. They know where his drops are. It's it's just you can you can totally redo it if you have that mobility. And the best quarterbacks out there, are the ones that are you know the Josh Allen's and Patrick Mahomes and um, Jalen Hurts right now is having a surprisingly good year. And, and Lamar Jackson, they they're all like really good athletes. The thing with Sam is I'm curious to see where where he's at too because we we know he's a good athlete. That's his profile. He's shown some of it in the preseason. I can't watch that and say I know necessarily how that will play out how much that will create but it just it helps you so much to be able to extend the play get away from high level pass rushers a little bit uh, make corners cover a little bit longer make you know make make those zone defenders pass off routes and do it consistently and well and last year the one thing they did you know the passing game did well most of the year was those scramble plays and they 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 worked on him in practice with Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman really talked about that. And that's what kind of started to unleash him and some of those big deep balls as they would practice flowing the direction of the quarterback. That hasn't been anything this year that they've had to emphasize or think about. And now it's back. So I'm just very intrigued to see how that plays out. My, my only caveat with the mobile quarterbacks. And again, I do not think anyone, I know the Colts think that mobility is pretty high on the, on the list. I don't think anyone would be like, you know what, if I had my ideal, I want a pocket statue. 
My only caveat with the mobile quarterback thing, and this is not a criticism of what you're saying, but it's more a, a criticism of the way it's covered in general. Like, we've been saying for 25 years <laughs> that pocket quarterbacks aren't going to work anymore. Like, I think you can go all the way back to Michael Vick and maybe, maybe, I, I, I wasn't old enough to be reading a bunch of stuff at that time, but, like, you could maybe go back to, like, Randall Cunningham and Steve Young. And I bet there's a ton of there'll never be another guy who stays in the pocket who works. And since all of that has happened, like Brady's happened and Breeze has happened. And, you know, there's been like I think you can overcome it. I think you can be a pocket passer and overcome it if you can make up for it in other ways. Again. And if your team's good. Again, absolutely. Absolutely. If you're mobile. If you're mobile, it helps, and it's better. It's much better. I'm just saying that it's just it's funny that, like, the way it's talked about is, like, this is the mobile quarterback revolution. This is the mobile quarterback revolution. It's absolutely happening now. And I feel like I've read that story 20 years, like 20 years of the same thing. And and maybe it is. Maybe Maybe this is the time that it finally is tipping over and no more pocket quarterbacks will ever be good again. And they've gone the way of like the dumb quarterback, the Brett Favre quarterback. I j- I just think it's kind of amusing that like I I really feel like this story has been written a gazillion times. I think there's been evolutions though, and I think I think that one of the things with the evolution of the mobile quarterback is that it started out with like it started out with quarterbacks who were mobile, but then maybe didn't have it the same way as passer, like they couldn't pass the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's kind of Vic. If you look at his passing numbers over his career, they were never super efficient. Um, and then I think what's happened, this is me, this is my estimation of it. Aaron Rodgers, young Aaron Rodgers, not, not a running quarterback, but like he would escape in the pocket and move around and throw the football. I think was sort of a, I, I think of Rodgers as the precursor to Mahomes and Allen where you married the two things. You married the elite throwing ability and the processing ability with mobility that could buy you more time. And if you can have both of those things, I feel like those are like evolutions of quarterback. Like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are like the next evolution of Aaron Rodgers to me. Um, And Rodgers is probably like the next evolution of Steve Young-ish type. John Elway. Like Elway was a very mobile guy. Ran, Ran a lot. You know, like he's probably the next evolution of that where you get, you get more efficient as a passer and you use your legs like that. So I do think that mobile quarterbacks have are preferable. You would absolutely much rather have that. The guy that I'm sort of developing a draft crush on, uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, is absolutely mobile, um, can do a lot of stuff with his feet. But I also think that it just it can't just be mobility. You have to be able to do the processing and get the ball to where it's supposed to go and know where it's supposed to go. And that's why you see so many mobile quarterbacks fail is because they can't they don't know where the ball is supposed to go. Yeah, exactly. They, there's become some overemphasis on the legs and the mobility to get guys that didn't show enough as throwers. I think about Mitch Trubisky was that to a T. That's um, who I was thinking of. When you look at him, his passing numbers, his his entire repertoire coming out of uh, North Carolina, it would, did not show a high-level high level passer. There's Darnold other, a little bit too. People talked a lot Darnold about Darnold's. People talked a lot about Darnold's ability to run around. And, and there's other guys sort of that ignored the yeah. like I'm going to throw it into trouble thing. There's other guys that you got fascinated with the idea of them. Maybe you didn't know they weren't good passers, but you just hoped that they would 
add that to their game. It's very hard to do that. I think about guys like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance have not looked like passers, like anything that they wanted. They're good athletes. They could extend the play. That only matters to a certain level if you can also add the throwing. Now, the other guy that they missed on that they thought was a lot of, a lot of the league thought was just an athlete was Lamar Jackson, and he turned out Josh Allen too. And Josh Allen, they've had, and Josh Allen had to develop Josh, that. Josh Allen, <laughs> Josh Allen is like a unicorn. Like in <laughs> Josh Allen, supposedly, be, supposedly you're not supposed to be able to go from a 50 percent guy yeah. to like a 65 percent guy, but he did it. He like developed it. Like he needed a couple years to develop that. And you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, always had it, and it just he was in a junky offense in Louisville and. Um, Guys like Bill Pullian just kind of had some bad comments that spread throughout everywhere. Uh, but the other thing that, that that you do lose with mobile quarterbacks, that it, I've heard a lot of receivers in this league don't love it playing with mobile quarterbacks because there's certain situations where, like, they if you think about how a football team works, they work every players work individual drills, they work in the meeting rooms, they look at their film, they zone in on on themselves, and they're trying to perfect their routes. And, and this offense, what the Colts have done up to this point, now they made this quarterback switch, it was all about you know hitting those spots timing, for Matt yeah. Ryan and timing, yep, timing and, and hitting yep. these landmarks and being so precise. They work so hard at it. And there's certain guys like Paris Campbell who've come a long way in that. And I think Kylan Granson's another guy who's made a lot of strides in that kind of, kind of role. Uh, running backs, receiving running backs, like to play that way too a little bit like in the Naheem Hines when you're really good at it and there's a reason why and I, I love Lamar Jackson but no receivers ever signed there because what also happened like you don't want to run a perfect route and just not see the ball because the quarterback would rather turn it into a run play or look to go down the field and that happened honestly that happened a lot in this offense last year where they had a slot receiver in Zach Paschal that so many guys told me was the best route runner on the team obviously a limited athlete but Never saw the ball down the stretch because uh, Carson Wentz, you know, would hold the ball and scramble and look for a bigger play and look to the sidelines. You lose a lot of that middle of the field type precision game that, that this is how they've built it. Now, like I said, for some of these receivers, this style of scramble around and throw it up and, and win late in the down fits their skill set. A Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, I think, could grow into that. Of course, well, that's I think- another one, though. Alec Pierce had talked about how much chemistry he had built with Matt Ryan, and they're there is something they're going to lose by doing this. Obviously, they have to. The offense is bad. They want to get better. But this isn't just. Sometimes you can add the athleticism. You can lose something else, and that's always on the table. I think. I think what happens to receivers is they just have to. The emphasis becomes on. Being able to move with the quarterback, and like the examples I would use are like, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in their primes with Rodgers were just unbelievable at moving once Rodgers was on the move. Kelsey's a little bit like this. Like Kelsey's yep. a guy who um Tyreek Hill is sort of his own thing. <laughs> he just it truly Ty- is. Tyreek Tyreek Hill is sort of his own thing, but Travis Kelsey's really good at this where like Mahomes is moving around, the next thing you know Kelsey's just open. Um but that's the thing that they'll have to start doing is if if he's really running around back there a lot and moving around and trying to buy time, it's going to be more about like you get to the spot initially and then get your head around and figure out what's the best thing I can do to get open here. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's harder to work on that throughout the week. It's hard to work on that in a film. Room. Right. But it's, it's, but, but it's the examples I cited, like you play with the guy long enough and obviously that's not yeah. going to happen here. It's not long, but like you, you can get to a point where you're really good at it. Like right. if you go back and watch, I'd say like the 14 ish Packers, like the, when McCarthy's still there and the offense is pretty much just like draw it up in the dirt and, like they're running around like Nelson and Cobb were amazing at it. Um, so you can get there. 
you absolutely can get there. Um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. It's like I, yeah, they're just receivers love to to run precision routes and see the ball quickly. Like they want to turn around and see it, and it's the offense they've trained these guys in. So I'll just be interested to see how how that translates. Uh, it can be, uh, you know. <laughs> You also got to be able to, you know, part of it too is the, like part of this league and where, why they, why receivers do like those quarterbacks who win from the pocket is that it's those are guys who work a little bit more pre-snap. This is like the, the the mobility stuff is like a post-snap type of world you're living in. You're getting to a point, you're seeing what's there, you're scrambling, you're adjusting late in the down. Pre-snap is more you're going to see the mismatch and realize who's getting the ball. And I just I wonder how it translates for guys who have learned one way like Paris Campbell and to, to kind of illustrate what I'm getting at with receivers is that there was a lot in this made about this was uh, so many Alabama receivers in the league and they, they were asking guys um, like like a, like Devonta Smith um, and Jalen Waddle like which of the quarterbacks do they like the most between Tua uh, Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts they all said Mac Jones and it became this big storyline I think that was simply stylistic is that like all three of those guys have shown they can make they can play pretty well. None of them are established, but Mac Jones is the one step back throw when it's open guy and not hold the ball and make you create. So it's someone, just someone is going to, someone is going to see that and tweet back at you. How's Mac Jones doing right now compared to the other two? Hey, he's available. <laughs> he can, he so, can be the latest skull if we want him. That would be, see, that would be another, like that would be another just wild swing. Like people, I saw a bunch of people tweet that when he got pulled, but that would be another wild yeah. swing of like, plan like where you just immediately go to another young quarterback who's kind of failed somewhere else that would be that would be like exactly the kind of about face that i've been that i started this podcast with we're getting close to when we got to get out of here um we somehow talked a long time about a team i don't want to talk about again i just Um, i'm not i'm not disputing it but i'm going to point (laughs) out we did not say a word about the defense Ah, there's there's not a point i just feel bad for them like they're I I know, but there's there's no one none of the listeners care. I'll just I'll just do it each but week. I'm just going to do this just the out listeners of listeners only care about defense so much anyway. I'm just going to do right this for my due really diligence. Don't. DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, and <laughs> Stephon Gilmore are amazing players. They're being mm-hmm. let down by an offense that uh, looks like it's I don't know it's it, it, it looks like it's taking some plays out of the Iowa playbook lately. Uh, but maybe Sam Ellinger sparks it, and, and if he can, this is the thing: if he if they can play a little smarter and safer and better. Maybe we see that defense take over the way they did against the Chiefs, the way they did late against the Broncos. That's what they that's what they have to hope for is that they, they just have a chance. I'm gonna stick with the Roy Kent line. I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna how, how it's gonna look. I don't have any predictions. I don't know. We're that's gonna find they, out. That's what they pay us for to and not then know. once and then once they and then well, if they're paying for me to see the future, then I'm asking for a raise. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll have more after we actually see Sam Ellinger play a full start. For the Colts Cover 2 Podcast, I am Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins and a witch. And a skull. Or a quarterback. Skull doesn't talk. He's dead. <laughs>